Welcome to Trapping Radio. This is your host Clint Locklear. And uh, this is a Monday after Thanksgiving. Uh, some of these things got messed up like the Manstrong was actually before uh, the Rittenhouse. This one is actually the Monday after so I'm going to be doing another show uh, this, this, this week for probably Saturday uh, for Trapping Radio. And we're going to continue the theme guys of kind of a little bit more basic uh, type stuff that doesn't mean that it's not important it just you know it's stuff that we've talked about over the I don't know seven years I've been doing this podcast I guess that um, you know you say it and then you don't want to just repeat yourself all the time so you know you go to different subjects and different topics and different things on mindset and and it just all kind of different things and you just don't want to repeat yourself all the time but because of so many new trappers are getting in trapping we're we're doing a basic one so uh two weeks ago we did one on the dirt hole last week we did one on flat set this week we're going to do it on uh, blind sets and odd sets odd odd uh strange not doesn't fit the mold of uh everyday generic dirt hole flat set blind set type stuff so we're going to go over that but uh hope y'all had a good thanksgiving and uh i was uh, i was kind of amazed uh, at at some of the the stuff that was trending on social media this week because it over thanksgiving because it was um it was weird and it made me think what what does thanksgiving even mean what what do we do that for and you know like uh i've got certain family members that if we have thanksgiving at their house before everybody eats or prays or does anything you know what's something you're thankful for kind of thing that makes sense for thanksgiving but is it really about the pilgrims is, is does that is that what it means to us today and I haven't thought about this in years, so I don't have an answer for that. Is, is it is it more of um, we should just be thankful in our lives, and this is a uh, you know, a time and a place of the year we get together, and you know just be grateful that you know our kids aren't eating out of the garbage dump like I've seen in parts of South America. Is it kind of like that? I think that, I think it kind of is, and it's it's more of. I'm not sure a lot of our holidays really have the meaning they were set out to do, but that doesn't mean that we don't have the right way to do it. Or the the, the reasons to do it may not be exactly because of the pilgrims. I I, I don't know. But what I've seen, uh, like in full fledged on social media, which blew me up, and uh, there was like a one of the things there was a Native American that would went to every single post he could find and do edit it and basically called everybody that said anything about Thanksgiving a colonizer. And I bet he spent hours, probably close to 10 hours doing this. And the only reason that he went about doing this was just trying to be a peckerhead. That's the only reason he was doing it. And he was trying to prove a point, I guess, that, you know, white people are evil and, and all this. And, you know, uh, colonizers, we stole their land. And 
first off, before I say what I'm getting ready to say, if you don't know anything about me, my, my last name is Locklear. Google Locklear and Google Lumberton, North Carolina. A big part of my heritage, if you want to call it that, because it doesn't really mean anything to me, because I'm a free man and that's the only thing that matters to me, is Lum Lumbee Indians out of Lumberton, North Carolina. You've seen a lot of uh, pro football players, last name Locklear, and they're every different color you can think of. Uh, guarantee you they're Lumbee. Lumbee was uh, a tribe in North Carolina that uh, was one of the few tribes that actually believed in property rights. So I guess my, my view on that's kind of like generational genetic. And they had log cabins. Uh, they were not uh, a war-based type nation. They, they were farmers and acted pretty much with, with rules and laws and, and property rights the way that settlers did, which was very confusing towards the settlers. And they didn't like it because you know, you're not going to talk someone out of their land if they're actually working it. So a lot of my ancestors, if you want to say that, were actually put into the slave trade um, just to get them off of their land. So I just want to say that to preference what I'm getting ready to say. See, when I hear the term colonizer, I think that's a that's a wimpy victim way of going about it. If we don't change the way that our boys are staying boys and not turning to men, and we're becoming more feminine and we're becoming weaker, we are gonna be colonized by somebody else. It's gonna be China, it's gonna be Russia, it's gonna be Muslims, it's gonna be other countries that want what we have, and when we're so weak we can't defend it we're gonna lose it. Now, I'm very pro-American. I bleed red, white, and blue. I never wanna see this. I'm not hoping for it, I'm not anything like that. But when a weaker people, which is what we're turning into is weak people, mentally and physically, are confronted with stronger people with or without better technology, the strong people win. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, that that's just the way that the world, even though we think we're more civilized today, that's the way the world works. Stronger people take away from weaker people. We try not to do that in our civilized world today. Like America, if you want to, if we were true colonizers, we would own most of Europe. We would own Japan. We would own most of the Middle East. We would own Mexico. All these countries that we send troops into, we would own if we were colonizers. But that's never been the mission of America. Now, Britain, on the other hand, that was their mission. That's why, you know, you always hear that the uh, sunset the sun never set on the, the British Empire because they went all over the world and they purposely went to conquer people and take their land. That's not been the American um, mission. Now when this country was, was uh, being developed, you had an outside people, which 
was all kind of ethnicities and it was actually not the the pro-american way that we look at our country now because it was at its infancy it was people trying to make a living in a weird place and there was conflicts and the conflict became between the europeans which was us and the native americans which were here now historically indians were very brutal to each other this idea of it's like dances with wolves and all that anybody that believes that has never looked at real history you listen to a college professor that blew smoke up your ass indians were brutal hard men in hard times they were brutal if they captured you or your your place they would usually kill all the males rape or enslave the women when they came across each other indians were really big into slavery that's an historical fact that's not an opinion but what, but what blew me away because i was hearing just just watching how people think and we're going to get to trapping in a minute but this has just been on my mind guys so i figured i'd share it i think the point needs to be made to people that call us colonizers for the country we have today no we were conquerors we were victorious in battle between men and that's the way the world worked back then we were no different than any other country in the world or any other nationality in the world that's how people used to get resources conquer somebody else that's the way it was but I heard a lot of people trying to apologize to this guy because he was trying to be a dick and a victim by calling everybody that was trying to be happy on Thanksgiving colonizers I mean just just think about that how sad of a person do you have to be that your whole mission on Thanksgiving is just trying to make people feel bad but I didn't hear one person with all the comments I looked at because I just found it fascinating after this kept coming up look you lost the losers lose they lose everything they when you get conquered you're conquered it's up to the victor at that point to decide what happens at that point if you don't want to have your land taken away from you you don't lose because if you lose you're at the 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 will of people that was just trying to kill you I hear this the same about Texas being stolen from Mexico no it was conquered California was stolen it was conquered so the next time someone says something about colonization maybe the next words out of someone's mouth should be that's what happens when you lose in war you lose now the most amazing thing about this is Native Americans today and I keep in mind when I'm going to say what I told you ahead about what my last name is 
It's not like they're stuck in prison. It's not like it's North Korea. They can go out and do the same things that you do. And they have a huge advantage because a lot of them get free money that you're not able to get. But they still want to loathe and being a victim. They wanted to revel in it, roll in it, wipe it all over them. And they try to use it as a weapon. And because average, everyday, hardworking Americans that just want to be left alone have let them say this crap for decades. It's the reason we're in the mess we are with the liberals. Because we just didn't learn how to say no. Now, in case y'all haven't heard, there's a new variant coming out of South Africa where the South African government saying that the symptoms are very mild. It sounds like it. it I, I, I'm going to give everybody my two cents on this new variant. I think when you look at numbers of all these countries and all these places that have high vaccination rates and the sickness and the death of the vaccinated is becoming where they can't hide it anymore, but they still want to push a vaccine for whatever reason, they had to do something. So now they've come up with a variant that you can't test for, you don't know you have. And you can spread it. So you can't even test for it is what they're saying. And they're saying we believe it's going to be able to bypass the vaccines. What's their message though? Get vaccinated. I think they were losing the battle of people having faith in the vaccine. Whether you take it or not is irrelevant. Everybody should do what they think is best for them. But the numbers and the science is not looking good for the vaccines. So they've had to come up with something that seems to be more of a marketing ploy than it does real. And I want to play something, if you've never heard this, it's from the movie V. And I just want you to see if this sounds familiar, because you're about to hear this stuff on this variant. Stock market's already tanked because of it. You're going to start hearing stuff that sounds just like this. And you're going to, and I want you to just think. Wait a minute. Give me a second, guys. Now is a clear message to the people of this country. This message must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. This message must resound throughout the entire interlink. I want this country to realize that we stand on the edge of oblivion. I want every man, woman, and child to understand how close we are to chaos. I want everyone to remember why they need 
next. Scientists attribute this latest water shortage to the lack of rainfall the last two years. Ministry officials expect water coupon prices to rise. Police have arrested nine suspects. Can you believe this shit? avian flu going on all summer. Outside the quarantine zone, a new airborne pathogen has killed 27 people. Authorities have uncovered new evidence linking the terrorist organization called V. <laughs> if you've not seen that movie... I suggest you go, it's kind of a cult classic if you know about it. Just watch it and just let it sink. It's like reading the book 1984 right now, then kind of like looking around and going, wow. It's, it's like one of them things. Don't panic, please. Keep in mind, the same people that are giving you this information told you that if you took the vaccine, you wouldn't get the vac you wouldn't get the COVID, and it's the same people that said you couldn't spread the COVID, and it's the same people that said that you wouldn't get really sick if you had COVID, and now all that's like out in the open, complete bullcrap, and the same people are now saying you should be scared to death of this new variant. Let's go to the pharmaceutical companies, let them make a bunch more billion dollars, and we're going to shove it down your throat because you need to realize when we tell you something, you jump. So, we're going to leave it alone at that, but I just wanted you to think about that. Now, all right, guys, we have some great sponsors. We have F&T Fur Harvesters. We have Oki Cable and Trap, Funky Trap Tags and Supplies, in Dunlap Lures. We have links at the bottom of the show that you can go straight to their websites. If you're looking for trapping supplies and you enjoy trapping radio, please give them a shot first before you order from somebody else. And here's why. They put up money so I can afford to do this. Um, when, when, a, when a podcast gets to a certain size, you just can't go to HostGator and throw it on there. Because if there's 10,000 people trying to download 10,000 hours of video or audio at one time, that's not something that you do on a regular thing. So we actually have a server that I have to pay for every month. And that's what they cover. So they're actually got skin in the game for you to have trapping radio and they're good people all of the sponsors are honest people all of the sponsors get your stuff out to you as soon as possible they have great products their customer service is spot on I've dealt with them for years every single one of them the only one you can't order from is Dunlap Lures but you can get all of their stuff from uh, F&T or Funky Cable and Trap. I'm not sure about if you can get it all from Oki or not. But it's just, in, in the world we live in today, you, you want to do business with people that are good people. So you don't have to worry about a whole lot of shenanigans. So that, that that's what I'm saying. So let's get into today's show, the meat of it, shall we? Blind set. Guys, I've talked about blind set off and on over the years. Now, for some of you, you may not know 
because you're younger in the way the internet works and the way searches work and things ebb and flow but for you older guys I want you to think about something if you've ever gotten a Craig O'Gorman catalog and he's not a sponsor this is just uh, something to think about when you see the biggest catch that man ever made which was ungodly and if you ever get to talk with him like I have several times the year that he made the biggest catch that you see in those catalogs where it looks like you, you damn near need an 18-wheeler to get it to the market. He exclusively that year ran blind sets. Exclusively. He ran it like an experiment. He's running a mafia-style blind set. And I want to explain that real quick before we get going. And I almost need you to go grab two cold spring traps while I explain this so it'll make better sense for you. So you've got a, a cold spring in your right hand and a cold spring in your left hand. And I want you to set those down on a table. And I want you to line up the levers. I want the trap set, both of them. And I want you to line up the levers and I want you to push those levers together so they're physically touching. Physically touching. Then I want you to get a toothpick and I want you to wedge that toothpick in between those levers to separate it enough for a toothpick. So you got two traps that are lever to lever basically and when you're putting this in a trail just like you see on your table it goes with the trail up the trail or down the trail that's the configuration of the mafia blind set when you read craig's book it's it's kind of hard to understand i've talked about it several times when we show people at the school it's kind of like uh an eye-opening thing for the first time because it makes sense because they hear mafia they've heard other people talking about mafia sets and it gets people have tried to put their own twist on it and all kind of stuff that's the down and dirty of what it is you have a trail animals are going down you put the traps in the trail where the levers are touching except for the length of a toothpick you blend those in with the toothpick still sticking above the ground. So you blend it in to where it looks like nothing's there. If you're out west, you know, you save your dry dirt off the top, you feather it all in. If you're in the east, you're probably using grass clippings or leaves or a mixture of, of that and some other stuff. But you blend it in so it looks like it. There's nothing there. And then with that toothpick sticking up out of the ground, you grab a dropping, a coyote dropping, or a cat dropping, or a fox dropping. And you pull the toothpick up right where the toothpick came out of the ground, you set the dropping right there. So the dropping is actually going to be touching both levers. And there's only, what is that? Uh, 
shoot, it's, it's smaller than one sixteenth. It, it's a small, small gap in between those levers. And you put your dropping right there and you walk away. Now coil springs are easier to do on blind sets because you don't have as much dirt disturbance. That's the Mafia set that Craig used when you see the pictures in the catalog of his best year of all the coyotes, all the cats, and all the fox. That's what he caught them on. Now, when I talked to Craig about this, he said it was... Um, Trying to see if I remember his exact words. It was exhausting, I think is what he said. Because pretty much anything that comes down the trail is going to get caught. And to somebody that, that's not quite understanding why it's so deadly, they may go, well, that's a negative. I don't think it is. Because what is the purpose of setting the trap? It's to catch something. You don't know if a coyote, a cat, a cat, or a fox, or a gray fox, or a coon, you have no idea what's going to come down that trail. You got a good idea because that's where you put the trap for a particular reason, correct? But you don't know for sure. See, a lot of people, when they start doing blind sets, they realize oh my goodness, I've got way more red fox than I thought I did. I didn't know I had so many gray fox. I can't believe there's that many cats around here. What? A coyote was caught on this trail? And you never know exactly what it is when you're going to get there. Now, I've said before, I had a dog that I trapped with for years almost a decade and I could and she would go around flat sets and buried sets and dirt hole sets and snares and body grips wet and dry and I never had to worry about that dog but the moment I started putting in mafia sets she would get caught immediately one after the other she had no defense against the mafia set none whatsoever so when I was running with my dog, I could not use the Mafia set because it was so efficient. A trained trapline dog had no defenses against it. Let that sink in, please. No defenses. With the dropping right there, if he stutter steps before the dropping, you catch him. If he steps over the dropping, you catch him. If he tries to pee on the dropping, you catch him. If he stops to smell the dropping, you catch him. It's that's the reason Craig called it the Mafia set. It's a, it's a set that you cannot refuse. Of course, with the Mafia, it's kind of like you can't refuse or you'll end up with the fishes. But with a coyote, a fox, a cat, a coon, Fisher, Martin, Ringtail cats, believe it or not, I've caught ringtail cats, swift fox, and these things. <clears throat> they just don't have a way to get around that. I personally believe 
the Mafia set is the king of blind sets. Hands down, there's not even a second close. Now, when we teach the school, everybody is kind of blown away. And it's not like me and Jeff talk about this. It's not like we game plan what we're going to talk about. So, like, when you go to the school, like, we have a starting point that we go to, and then uh, we have kind of like areas that we take students. But we don't sit there the night before and go, okay, we've got to cover this and this and this and this. No. I don't want Jeff to think that he needs to cover something just because it's, quote, a topic. And he's never asked me to cover something because it's, quote, a topic. But what the students quickly realize is if me and Jeff can make a blind set, that's as far as our thinking goes. It's over. That, that's We're done. We don't even go into dirt holes or flat sets, buried bait sets, or portable pockets, or anything like that. It's over. If we can use a blind set, that's what we use. <coughs> when we can't use a blind set, that's when the other sets come in to existence. It's not like I want to run so many blind sets and so many dirt hole sets. If I had the type of terrain where I could run 100% blind sets, guys, I would run 100% blind sets. And the students picked up on this pretty quick. Well, we could go over here. Why? Why would you do that? Well, there's a grass clump where we could put it. Why, why would you pull an animal off the trail? Why would you even introduce anything that could cause any type of reaction at all when you know he's going to be right there? Yeah, but we get, why would you do that? And slowly, usually, by the beginning of the second day of the school, the students are going, that's where the blind set goes, and that's as far as it goes. Because there's no reason to do anything else except put the blind set in. It's more effective than snares. It's more effective on good trails than any type of lured or bait set. And like I've said a thousand times before, I make a living selling bait and lures. Luckily for me, most trappers don't believe me when I say that. And luckily for me and people like Jeff and other lure and bait makers, they just don't trust it. And luckily for me and Jeff and other people like that, it's not always a perfect place on a travel way to put a blind set in. So you need bait and lure to run complete trap lines. 
So there's always a reason to have bait and lure. But it's always second option to the best set, which is a blind set. In my opinion, a mafia set. Most of the time, me included, when I first started around playing around with blind sets, I didn't have a lot of confidence in it. And I didn't put a lot of thought process into it. And I didn't know animals well enough to know what trails animals were actually walking down. A trail was a trail at the time. I didn't know about the mafia, the mafia style set. And I did a bunch of stuff that I consider more foolish to do. Like trying to have uh, stepping sticks that seems to always get kicked by deer into the jaws when the trap goes off. I would see people talking about different, you know, like these formulas that um, to get, you know, make something makes an animal stutter step so it gets back on track and you know exactly where his foot's going to be and all this type of uh, very detailed stuff that doesn't matter. Which which brings me to a story, guys. I want to I want to say something here before we get going because I think it's a perfect analogy. There was a man that worked in a factory, and they did wood products. So there was a lot of sawdust. And at that time, the sawdust was a waste product that the company had to pay to get rid of. They didn't have a, a, a different way to use that for anything else. So it was like trash. So this guy gets a shoebox. And he fills it up with sawdust, puts it in a wheelbarrow, and he walks right to the main gate going out to his car. And the guard at the gate is looking at him funny because you're not allowed to take anything from the factory. What's in the box, the guard says. It's sawdust. I just have some stuff I'm playing around at home with sawdust. Let me see. So he opens the shoebox. Lo and behold, it's nothing but sawdust. He takes the box, he flips it over in the wheelbarrow, runs his hand around in there. There's no tools, there's no anything. It's just sawdust. The guard looks at him like he's crazy. But he can't see a reason not to let him keep the sawdust. So he lets him go. The next day, he's got the shoebox in the wheelbarrow. And he walks to the gate, he checks the box. This goes on for like a month. There's never anything in the box but sawdust. And the guard's trying to figure out what is the angle of him doing this every single day. Years go past, and every day the same thing. The guard sees the guy with the box of sawdust. He knows he's doing something, but he can't figure it out. He knows there's an angle but he cannot figure it out. So one day, many years later, the guard pulls him over the side, gets up in his face. I know you're up to no good. I'm going to figure it out, and we're going to prosecute you to the highest extent that we can. You're going to get caught. 
And just for my own curiosity reasons, if you'll tell me right now what the angle is and you don't bring the sawdust out anymore, we'll just call it even. But my curiosity is killing me, but eventually we will catch you. And the guy kind of like shuffles his feet, looks up at the security guard. He can tell the security guard is serious. He goes, well... I'm not stealing sawdust. He goes, I know you're not stealing sawdust because we just have to burn it anyway. He goes, what I'm doing is stealing wheelbarrows. And the security guard in his mind realized for years, every day, five days a week, that man stole five wheelbarrows for years. And he promised him he wouldn't do anything, so he let him go. But what's the moral of that story? We get focused as trappers on small, minute, useless trinkets, information, and we, we just obsess on it, and we will argue with each other on it, and we will fight over it, and we will get mad over it. We will lose friends over the little box of sawdust. Like, where does your trap go in front of a set? What's the pan tension supposed to be? Putting stepping sticks or rocks around blind sets. And the big pictures right there in front of your face. The guy sold... What is that? 10 years, probably 200, two, say 200 thousands, thousands of wheelbarrows a man stole right out in front of everybody and no one ever even thought about it. Because we focus on things that are not important. So when it comes to blind sets or any other sets for that matter, focus on what's important. Not the little bitty trinkets that everybody gets so excited about. And that's where the blind set comes in. I hear people all the time at demos, just they throw out the phrase blind set. Or it'll be in the book, you know, like they'll have, you know, 22 pages on how to make a dirt hole set and they'll have a paragraph on a blind set. I can tell you right now, that person ain't putting blind sets in because they don't understand the power of it. Now, because our students, we have texting groups, it's really cool to see them put pictures of blind sets. Because just because me and Jeff believed in blind sets and we taught blind sets, and we convinced them that blind sets were the best thing, until they're seeing stuff jump around in traps because they put stuff in blind sets, oh, that's a totally different world right there. That's a totally different world right there. And blind sets have a... It's not in such a small box that people want to put it in. Yes, you have a trail. You put a trap or traps in the trail. You blend it. The animal walks down the trail doing his normal thing and gets caught. 
But if you've got a game trail and you put a big showy set a couple of feet off the trail and really load it up with lure and bait and you put the trap in the trail, it's still a blind set because the animal's going to pad up and down the trail because of the set that you put in as a decoy to get caught. So don't think it just has to be in a trail. The last guy that won, Daryl, the trapping con the contest out in New Mexico, won off of that premise. It was blind sets with a decoy set. He won the contest with blind sets, basically. If you're going to put anything around a blind set for stepping, depending, and there's, there's a couple caveats here, droppings are your best thing to do. If you want to have a big step over, Put a big cow turd right there. Nothing's going to step on it. You see cow tracks and cow turds and then deer scat. And no. You don't see animals stepping in cow turds and fox turds. No. They step around it or over it. They do step on sticks on a regular basis. And they step on rocks on a regular basis. And sticks and rocks are hard and they have a tendency to move if something touches them. Which can, just almost just the way Murphy's Law is, will end up inside your jaws and keep the trap from closing. So I don't really like those. So droppings to me, if you're going to do a, a stepping type thing, that's the best thing to use, in my humble opinion. Now, if you're going after coons and cats and gray fox, there's a really cool way to guide those animals using sticks that it's not 100%, but it's pretty close. If you've got a trail and you got coons and cats, gray fox and stuff like that going down it, and you just take two sticks and you run them, see how can I describe this? You take your right hand and you push it on an angle 45 degrees to the left hand side of the trail. So it starts on the left hand side of the trail on the ground and comes out to the right hand side on a 45 degree angle. It's not straight up and down and it's not vertical. It's in between 45 degrees. Then you take your left hand and you push that to where that goes in the ground on the right hand side and basically what it looks like is a cross that's tilted in the trail and you have an opening at the top so there's a V at the top and you can put these where they're six eight inches off the ground as high as ten inches off the ground no problem they don't have to be camouflaged for coons or cats or gray fox they don't care A cat or a coon goes up to that, they see it, they just step over the cross. So if no matter what side you put the trap on, 
it's in the right place because they're going to either step off and get caught or step over and get caught and you want that about two to three inches away from the sticks in the middle of the trail right in the middle where you've got that v where that cross is tilted i learned that from mr best and it, it works Just like the blind sets though guys, the real trick of being good at blind sets is the skill set of blending. The better you are at blending, the better you're going to be at catching. And when you first start blending, it's not going to be pretty, it's actually going to be pretty ugly. It's going to stand out, you're going to have dirt clods, you're going to have all kinds of stuff. It takes practice. It's almost an art form and it's definitely a skill set to be able to do that but just let me go back to that one little bitty thing I said earlier if I can put a blind set in that's all I have to see I don't put in dirt holes in flat sets why because when you put lure and bait at a set animals are going to have reactions some are going to circle, some are going to shy away, some are going to walk right up to it like they own the place. But some are going to come to the side, some's going to roll, all this type stuff. That's just the reality of putting any, it wouldn't matter if it was natural bait. All of a sudden now there's like a hamburger in the middle of the road and you're like, yeah, I'd like a hamburger, but something's weird about this. It's kind of the way a lot of animals think when they get around lure and bait. But with a blind set that's blended, there's nothing to see. There's nothing to smell. There's nothing to get a reaction from. They're walking or loping down a trail, and the next thing they know, something grabs them. Game over. The reason blind sets will outproduce snares individually is because there's nothing to see. Nothing. You will have certain animals that will refuse snares. That's a fact of life. The advantage of snares over blind sets is you can put them in a whole lot faster and have so many out that you can overtake blind sets with sheer numbers and volume. But individually, it's not even close. I like using drags. I like really like using drags on blind sets because it keeps the trail looking the way it should be you don't have a burn circle now if you're using stakes that's okay you just may have to move up or down the trail 30 or 40 feet to put another one in but that's doable on most trails but eventually you're going to run out of good trail to do that and the drags just allow you to not destroy your stuff so that's the lowly blind set. 
probably one of the most talked about and underutilized sets that trappers have in their arsenal. I don't understand why. I think because it's not sexy. Because you're not creating something to say, I caught the animal. You're just letting the animal catch itself. But I tell you what is sexy is catching more fur. I'm telling you right now, guys, somebody out there that's looking to make some extra money, you could become the blind set king of America. From beaver to otter to coyotes, fishers, everything. You could build a whole YouTube platform off of nothing but blind sets. You could write books on blind sets. You could have courses on blind sets. Hell, you could probably even have a blind set school. Once you become very skillful in it, because there's a good chance you're going to outproduce most of the people in your area once you get really good at that because the advantages of it are so much more than a lot of other sets. So use them, for goodness sake. Now we're going to talk about some odd sets. There, There's... Uh, Basically, flat sets where people use pipes, like Zagger, his dream, uh, pipe dream set. It's a great set. Uh, the way he does his sod for rain, it's genius. I mean, it, 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 it's really genius what he's figured out with that. I've seen people just using regular pipes, uh, mini portable pockets, using kind of the same principle, uh, using toys where you have uh, like felt like the old grab and die sticks the wolfers used to use most people now uh, they don't use felt they use like uh, you know the, the soaker hose glued on the end of a stick I mean those are basically flat sets but they're toy based but if you're going to use a toy think about the animal that you're going to be catching coyotes need less visibility cats need more visibility fox can get kind of excitable so they're somewhere in between gray fox doesn't care what you do because he ain't afraid of nothing and coon are not going to really care what you do so if you're using toys bones skulls stuff like that so keep in mind what you're going after. If what you're using is going to be very open in something's face, bury it and just have a little bit peeking out, cover it with some grass, some leaves. <clears throat> if it's something like um, for a cat, the more showier it is, the better. Toys can really help you out on a trap line because it'll keep you from digging when you don't need to. Now, I would not make a whole trap line of toys, 
but it's it's uh, you'll you'll definitely get a lot of interest in toys. Sometimes when I refer to toys, I think that like some of the stuff like Slim Peterson did, where he would take a single goose feather, the small under feather, you know, that that floats around, not a big wing feather, and he would take a paper clip and he would put just that little bitty bit of feather at a flat set. That's kind of a toy. For cats, I've used everything. I've had stuff that looks like it's at a, you know, like you'd be using it in a, an Indian powwow to, to go dance with because of all the feathers and crazy colors. Jeff, when he does his flaming uh, tom set, I mean, it, it looks like uh, Elton John exploded all around there. That's basically a toy set. So toys can be very helpful, but just keep in mind what you're doing, and I wouldn't recommend you do a whole trap line that way. Don't get so enamored with one thing like T-bones or grab and die steaks or something like that, that that's all you do. Because animals figure stuff out. Now, the other one that I've used a lot, I've got a video on it. You can go see free footage about this on my YouTube channel at Wolfer Nation is portable pocket that's an odd set i use it to catch muskrats beaver otter coon fox coyotes and cats it's about the closest that i've ever seen where i can have an integrated system and catch everything it's a it's a piece of pipe it's not complicated on a, a smooth stake that I can stake to or I can drag from. I've got short ones for drags, I've got long ones to stake. I've learned how to camouflage them so they're very low visibility for coyotes and I've learned how to amp them up for cats. I've learned how to be in the middle for fox and I amp them up for coon. Portable pocket. Now it's been around now for seven eight years now buried bait sets it's an odd set it's not something i would do uh you know like 50 percent of the time just because it's a freaking mess but you you know you've got beaver <clears throat> that you after you take your skin and you can take the casters out if you're going to sell the tail the tail or the the head or whatever you're going to do with it or you take the back straps out for dinner or the hams off to keep for bait later whatever you're going to do with it what's left you can actually dig a hole 12 14 inches deep big enough for that beaver stake it off at the neck and the tail at opposite directions so it can't move very much take all that dirt throw it right back on top and set traps around it super simple it usually takes three four days before that to work but then it's really working and on drags you can just keep catching stuff off the same beaver I've used roadkill deer hams I've used dead turkeys I've used dead ducks dead geese roadkill cats skinned muskrats the only bad part about the muskrat is if a cow gets a hold of it no matter how you tie it, he can usually tear it in pieces so it's not there. So you just have a one shot at him. <clears throat> so, 
So buried bait sets, actually burying bait. Don't be afraid to do that. I know it seems childish in our modern, sophisticated trapping world that we live in, where it's all about the sawdust in the box and not really about the wheelbarrow. But if you're worried about the wheelbarrow, buried bait set is a pretty good, it's a pretty good set. And the last one I can think of are just staked sets. I've talked about it before. There was two brothers, I believe they're in Montana. They caught over a thousand coyotes, and all they did was they would would like dig a deep V. So you had uh, see how can I describe this? They they they'd like get up against the sagebrush, and they would take a mattock, and they would start at the sagebrush, and they would dig like six seven inches down, just wide enough for the mattock head coming off on an angle not a 45 degree angle I don't know what the angle will be but where it's just going to be wide enough to let a groundhog or a pocket gopher or something like that be in the middle of it so what they're doing is they're guiding the animal and this trench they're digging would come out a couple of feet past whatever they were using because an animal is just not going to step down in that real steep narrow trench so it's, it's, a, it's guide placement and they would literally take something like a groundhog or a big, uh, some type of varmint, and they would run a rebar stake down through them and stake them to the ground. And then in front of that, they would put two traps. Like I said, in the sophisticated world of trapping today, that seems very childish. Over a thousand coyotes in a year doing that. Does that still seem childish? Doesn't to me. <clears throat> for fox, the best thing I've ever found for fox is to take turkey and goose and duck heads, wire them up, just the heads and part of the neck, wire them up and put it up against a, a backing, a log, a rock, uh, a brambles, a blackberries, great big grass clump, something like that. Stake that with a disposable stake and pull your trap back about 10 inches, 8 inches, somewhere in there, and put it anywhere around that head. And you're in the right trap placement. On night vision footage, I've never seen an animal so frustrated in my life trying to run away with that. And no matter where you put the trap, it's right because there is tracks everywhere because they can't get the head loose of the wire. So you could literally put two to three traps on drags and probably double on the same set. For coyotes, it works, but it's not like it does for fox. Coon, are they all over it? Gray fox is all over it. Red fox is all over it. Cats, I've caught a few, but it, it's not like it's, uh, they don't, the, once they kind of smell it and stuff like that, if they hadn't caught by that time, they're probably going to go about their business. But for fox, oh, that, that, that's slick. 
I've caught several coyotes over the years. You know, you, you shoot a deer, you process the meat, you have parts. Well, I only shoot does because I'm a meat hunter. I don't shoot horns. For some reason, they don't taste as good, at least not to me. But that head can now go catch me several coyotes. And I've done this several ways. One of the ways is I will use my auger and kind of dig out a big hole and drop that head down in there and stake it, put traps around that hole, and it's done. I've done that in groundhog holes, old ones, badger holes. I've, I've uh, one of the ways when I first started doing this, because I felt really foolish about this, but I think I caught, if I remember right, it was four or five coyotes off of one deer head in the same location I had drags. You know how yeah, you got big oak trees and they got those roots that come in and there's like pockets and, and, and deep holes and stuff like that's around the base of some of these really big old trees. I just took the deer head and took a rebar and staked that up in that V. And I took some leaves and just threw over the top. And I put two traps on one drag blended them in out in front of it didn't have any type of dirt pattern and lo and behold did the coyotes think that was a treat that's a steak set and i mean that's that's kind of childish when you think about it but you could do that with a beaver a road killed cat a muskrat carcass rattlesnakes Caught plenty off rattlesnakes being uh, staked down. I'm just going through my head. I use everything that I can to just realize that an animal is going to be an animal. And there's some good eating on a deer head for a coyote. I've seen a weird steak set that a, a gentleman used down in Georgia. And uh, it was Sandy where he was at. And his steak set was kind of like uh, a modified dirt hole type thing. But the hole was just to get the meat of the leg underground. So what he would do is he would take post hole diggers and he would dig this hole and be about two feet deep. And you know, when you're cleaning off a deer, once you get below that shoulder, there's not much there. So he would go to a deer processor and he would get all these pieces of these deer legs. And he would dig this hole straight down in the ground with post hole diggers, which was probably, what's those, six inches standard post hole digger dig him down about two feet he would take a disposable stake and he would wrap it around the deer leg towards the bottom and he would he would beat the stake in so it couldn't go anywhere it couldn't really get out of the hole and he would just leave the hoof sticking up out of this hole and i remember him telling me that it's not the fastest set to get to working and I can imagine why, because it's strange looking. If me and you came across a hole with a deer head leg sticking out of it, hoof up in the air, 
we're probably going to be looking around for some type of, you know, something off of Predator. Like, what in the world is this? And I'm sure coyotes do the same thing. But I talked to people that knew this man, and he would catch over 100 coyotes a year in Georgia, live market. And that was the only set he used. Was a staked deer leg down in a post hole digging hole. Basically just to keep it where they couldn't do it. And all he did was just put a couple of traps. He just, it didn't matter where, just on the side of it. He'd blend them in. He had plenty of dirt. He'd blend them in. Some had dirt patterns, depending on what it looked like. And he'd rock and roll with it. That's a staked set that caught an older gentleman over 100 coyotes a year for the live market. If it's natural and a cow would want to eat it, you can stake it. You can bury it for that matter. So when you're out trapping, and I want you to think about everything we've talked about, because this is the third week we've done this. Dirt holes, flat sets, blind sets, and odd sets. I think the blind sets are the best out of all of them. Let's take that out of the equation. Dirt holes, flat sets, and odd sets, they're all about the same. One is not better or worse than the other. They all work. All those are wheelbarrows. So when you're out trapping guys and you're out there and you're seeing different things, you come across different things, use what you have at the time for your advantage. If you've got really crappy hard dirt, why are you trying to dig a hole? If you've had a cattle pasture where the cows aren't in it now and you see cow traps going up and down it, put in trail sets. If you know that the other trappers around you are dirt hole fanatics, stay away from them. Go with the odd sets. Go with the flat sets. If you're going down the road and there's a nice, tasty, flattened house cat, as I'm sitting here looking at my, my black cat in the lure shop, Frederick Douglass, I can find a use for that on the trap line. You want to talk about recycling? Hippies don't have anything on that. When I was out with O'Gorman, he had what he called, I think he called his gut bucket. It's just a five gallon bucket in the, in the back of his truck. If we came across a dead snake, it went in the bucket. Dead rabbit went in the bucket. Dead house cat went in the bucket. During that day, he used it. If he didn't use it in a couple of days, how's it was, it was the maggot bucket. When I was with Johnny Thorpe, I was amazed to see Johnny Thorpe did the same exact thing 
is Craig O'Gorman did. Now those guys are from a different era than we are. But I seriously doubt there's anybody is, that is foolish enough to think that just running standard dirt holes and thinking about what they thought was important is not as important to you because of what? It's 2021? Well, guys, I hope this has been helpful. I hope it's got your creative juices flowing a little bit. For goodness sake, go out and put in some blind sets. You will see that you will be rewarded. Go have some fun. Don't take this so serious that you forget, no matter if you're doing it for money or a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. If you're just playing or you're pushing, the more creative you get, the more fun you're going to have and the more creative you'll get because that will build on itself. Just keep an open mind and go catch some fur. And I will talk to you all next week.